Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most interesting topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 190th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 645th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, October 8th, 2020. I am your host, Brian Tonsoni. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. Oh, oh Hoosiers have won the national championship. If you want something basketball-related, um, the Maui bracket is out, and we'll be talking about that, uh, getting to participate in this tournament early in the season and hopefully experiencing some uh, success. Um, thanks to the roster continuity, we'll be great for building a winning mentality uh, in a tournament environment and adding important wins to the resume, resume uh, for a trip to the NCAA tournament. But if you want to know the real banner moment, it's Johnny Jager getting engaged. Uh, Jager is a grad assistant for Indiana now, uh, after being a walk-on under Archie Miller, uh, t- he tweeted out pictures of his proposal, which took place in front of Assembly Hall. Congrats to Johnny, and we wish the newly engaged couple a lifetime of happiness and hopefully many more happy memories at Assembly Hall. Okay, now let me in- introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show. First to my left. You'll have fun, fun, fun. Fun, fun, fun. Fun, fun, fun. Andy, what is your bottom line on the last week in IU basketball? Well, like you said, the getting the Maui bracket gives us some potential matchups to talk through, which is uh, which is good. And so we'll we'll spend some time on that, talking scheduling stuff later. Uh, and and as I, I forget which league it was, came out with their schedule this week. It makes me wonder when the Big Ten will come out with theirs, but uh, we'll have to wait for that uh, for another another little while. Uh, you know, a couple things, a couple things this week that are uh, related to IU basketball, but not necessarily like this season's team. Uh, as much uh, on the 5th, which I think was Monday, Zach Osterman tweeted out, IU announced at 10 programs, including the men's basketball, women's basketball, football, uh, and football teams have 100% of their uh, student-athletes registered to vote, which is uh, awesome to see and, and seeing them really encourage uh, kids to get involved in the process and all the uh, all the, the movement around uh, around voting and, uh, and getting people registered. I thought that was great to see. And then another one, um, you know, Marnie Mooney, uh, although her last name now I think is Moon Yeah, I'm maybe butchering that, but anyway, uh, her, uh, her little guy had a heart surgery at Riley this week. So I know I've been following some of that with, uh, you know, her posts on, on Twitter and Facebook seems like all things have gone, uh, as well as can be expected at this point. And, um, so, you know, continued thoughts and, and prayers to their, their Max, who is, uh, seems like he's, he's been through a lot in a short period of time, but definitely seems to be a, a fighter for sure. So, uh, good news on that front and somebody who played a, a really pivotal role, uh, in some of those, uh, you know, the, the best year seasons of the Korean era, you know, she was right there from an academic standpoint doing great things. So, uh, continued thoughts with, uh, with her and the, uh, and the family. Absolutely. Uh, we, we hope uh, Marnie and her family and, and the little guy are, are doing as well as they possibly can. Marnie was a big influence on my youngest son. Um, 
who uh, school was a little difficult at times, but uh, when she was helping the IU athletes, um, she uh, he read an article about her work, and it was really motivated to uh, put together a plan, and, and uh, now he's a college graduate. So um, we thank Marnie for her inspiration from afar uh, in, in helping our son find a way to to get things done. So, and now to my right. Analyzing players, finding every wrinkle. He hasn't ever hosted, never lifted a finger. He's got all the well, let me quickly add just one thing about this. Dude just interrupted his own jingle. Ryan, what is your rant on the last week in IU sports? Well, I can definitely tell you two groups that will not be going to Maui this year. One is the Indiana basketball Hoosiers and the other is the Phillips family. We have decided not to trek to Maui, even though the tournament isn't there. We were still planning on maybe going out there, having a nice Thanksgiving, but the regulations in uh, Hawaii would have made it. So we would have had to stay in our rooms for three days after we got there. And it's why are we paying to be in Hawaii if we can't be outside? So we have, we have backtracked on that after I bragged about still going for a while. So have at it, guys. You can you can rip me all you want. Uh, but I, one thing I did want to say is I think that the people at the Maui Invitational should invite the teams that are in this year's tournament back for 2022. I think that would be fair because going to Asheville, while I'm sure it's lovely, is not the same as going to Maui. And I still stand by that. They should get the experience of going out to the islands and, and that fan base should get that. And uh yeah, I mean, I, that's that's just, it seems like an obvious thing to do. It's We're all dealing with craziness this year. Let's reset button. Yeah, go have fun in Asheville, but for real, we're going to send you to the actual Maui Invitational. I think that'd be the right thing to do. I also, as we'll get into, I think the bracket for uh, the Maui Invitational turned out pretty great for Indiana, and I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, the, I mean, why are we still calling it the Maui Invitational? It's the Asheville Invitational now. What are we doing? It's It's... Maui has nothing to do with it. So it, the Asheville Invitational, as I will now be calling it, uh, it looks like uh, IU got a pretty good draw, and I'm excited about it. We're still going to have to wear some Hawaiian gear uh, that day, maybe, or, or North Carolina. Nah, we won't talk about that. We'll just no, we'll just come no. on the post game show and hope for for three wins. But we will be talking about that um, in segment two, and, and as well as that, we're gonna. Um, talk about another Hoosier who's getting his chance to play uh, professional ball. Uh, that in, that important scheduling news that came out. And of course, as usual, our listener questions, all of that coming up uh, this week here on Assembly Call Radio. But before we get to all of that, a quick announcement, please continue to support our friends at Homefield uh, at homefieldapparel.com backslash assembly 20. Uh, just some incredible uh, work being done uh, with their big new Saturday uh additions uh, with new shirts and new, new stuff go there and check out their their gear uh, put a lot in the cart and and hit uh, purchase and you you will you'll be very satisfied with with what you receive mostly IU gear buy all the IU gear first and then branch out and get your uh, other teams of of interest but here's our Hoosier headlines Deron Davis signed a, a pro contract with uh, I'll try to pronounce this correct Colester Basketball Club in Dublin uh, close part of the Super League, the top division in Ireland. Uh, and via Taylor Talkman of Inside the Hall, the Super League doesn't get a whole lot of attention from NBA scouts. However, it does provide an opportunity uh, to move into uh, other leagues that act as a springboard to the G League. So Davis' contract has a buyout, so he can progress to another organization if he plays well and the opportunity arises. Devontae Green is playing in Greece. 
And the question is, guys, uh, who do you think will have a better pro career uh, overseas right now and, and in the future? Uh, I think Devontae fits in the European model really well, the way he plays offense, very free and you know just willing to take shots at any point. I think Duran's a little slower and they play a more up-tempo game over there uh, from time, you know, in, in most cases. I think Devontae, if he can learn to be at all consistent, which we didn't see in four years at Indiana, but if he can learn to be at all consistent, he can be a guy that makes a lot of money over there and scores a lot of points over there because he's not going to get contested on shots. If he's open and he can find consistency from deep and also be a guy who can move into the paint and distribute from inside the paint or, or make shots, uh, he, could, he could have a pretty nice career over there. We've seen guys of his type going, maybe a little more consistent than him, but guys of his type go over and, and have success in Europe, and I think he can. Yeah, I I would lean Devontae with the question, although I'm I'm curious to see what Duran's able to do. You know, listening to his interview with the Hoosier Hysterics, uh, whenever that I think it was sometime over the summer, uh, you know, came out where he was, you know, trying to get back into, you know, the player that he really was in in high school and and the injuries, and I think was frustrated by some of the opportunities that that he may uh have, have wanted but didn't get at times during his IU career, um, and being able to step out and shoot a little bit more and some of the things that that really made him uh, rated where he was from a recruiting standpoint. So, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully things work well for him and he can get established, um, stay healthy and, and, uh, and maybe be able to move his way up there. But yeah, I think Devonte just from a scoring perspective is, uh, is a guy who can, you know, fit in and, and do that. It just becomes a matter of whether, uh, he can start to, you know, weed out some of the plays that, uh, we all were frustrated with at various times over the course of his career and, um, you know, get in a system that, that is able to complement what he likes to do and what he does well. Yeah. I, I think Devonte has a, a, the natural ability to, to play well early and play longer, uh, from the perimeter, but you know, Duran's passing ability can be utilized by teams. And the thing that's, that's really nice for these guys too, is, you know, you get to make some pretty good money playing the game that you grew up in, in, in college that, that you love. And even if you, if you can just stretch it out for, you know, a few years, you get a good start to your, your post-college uh, income level by, by playing basketball. And then the other thing that is so great for these guys is, too, you get to go see uh, parts of the world that you normally might not go go see. And I know it's probably uh, every job is a, is a grind at times, and playing over in those leagues has its difficulties, too. But you, you just feel good for a guy like Duran that's able to sign and, and have an attempt to play. And if he can find that healthy return to what he was, uh, then he has a chance to play for a few years and, and, and make uh, some money playing playing the game of basketball. So uh, we wish um, Deron Davis uh, well and, and the same with Devontae and, and look forward to seeing you know their, their results from, from overseas. Um, the, the other thing that I was going to bring up here in our opening segment is I um, saw, saw something pop up about um, Christian Lander putting on weight uh, up in the upper 180s. Um, you know the concern with him reclassifying and coming a year early has has been documented. Will be talked about a lot. Uh, you know, reading publications like the Three Man Weave, they're they're high on him, but then cautious about people like Ashton Hagens, who did not necessarily come in and set the world on fire in a similar situation. How much of how much of uh, his game is going to be what he's normally doing, or? Is it a mental adjustment or is this physical size, uh, was his physical size the concern? Uh, Ryan, uh, him weighing at 187, is that a good sign or, or uh, just a sign of what most college kids do when they, they join a program with a guy like Cliff Marshall? 
Yeah, I, th- I think it's a good sign. I think 195 is about where I had hoped that he would get to. Um, if that was a lot of weight to gain, though. You know, that was the pie in the sky, 195, 200, somewhere in there. And, you know, he's starting to get there. And, and here's what I'll say about, you know, the Hagen's comparison, which I've heard as well, like, you know, people discussing Hagen's and, 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 and Lander. If you're expecting Lander to come in and start and score and play 27 minutes a game and lead from the front, you're expecting the wrong things from a young guy. He's going to come in and hopefully ignite the second unit and then play with the starters some. You know, I, I think that's your best case scenario is a guy who comes in and is, you know, a fast, engaged guy who can really get this team moving, but who isn't going to shoulder a huge load given the veterans on the team around him. And, and so, yeah, I think the size was the biggest issue for me, but yeah, there are some concerns about mentality when you're that young always. And, you know, you have that, that question about mentality when it's a freshman who has graduated his normal four years in high school and comes in, it's even more pronounced when it's a younger guy, but he's, you know, he's a kid who's, who's been on the national level for a while at these AAU tournaments. He's played against the best competition. He's going to come in with some, you know, this isn't like a freshman, an underage freshman coming in, you know, 15 years ago. It's a little bit different. So we'll see. I I just think that uh, it depends on what you're expecting from him. If you're expecting him to be, you know, sort of a spark plug, um, who can play 20 minutes, maybe max, then yeah, I think that you can expect that. But if you're expecting him to come in and light the world on fire immediately, that's probably too much to ask. Andy thoughts on him putting on some solid muscle and weight uh, here early in his career. I mean, I think it's a, it's, it's something that's necessary at the very least. It'll be a question at some point of, you know, him getting used to play at a little bit, uh, higher weight, but it's, it's, doing what they can to get him prepared for the physicality of the big 10. When you think about, we're going to talk schedule later, but you're, you're playing at this point, probably 25 games at a minimum against, you know, high major competition. So you've got to get ready for that. So how that works out for him is you don't really know. Um, But I think it's a, it's a positive sign of what you would expect from there. And it's just a matter of how well his play translates. And yeah, another guy that I was, thinking of and I was trying to do a little bit of research while we we're here is I think that Kyra Lewis uh, enrolled early at Alabama as well uh, and he you know, really got the keys and got a lot more playing time he averaged over you know, nearly 32 minutes a game as a freshman but scored 13 and a half points he was also asked to do a great deal and use a lot of possessions and things like that for, for that team but it was another guy kind of stepping into a point guard role so Hagen's I, I think is the one that gets a lot of uh, the discussion but I mean in Lewis if I'm if, if my memory researched correctly that he did reclassify and, and, and roll early. Um, you, you know, I think there's somewhat of a blueprint, but like Ryan said, I think it will be a slow build up to a, a larger role, which they're able to do this year because of, uh, of having some veteran guys in the backcourt. And that's, as you look forward to the season and think things like that, you, you are excited to know that the you know, top rated newcomer is not being, asked to carry a big load early on, which was not the case with Romeo, which was not the case with, with Trace last year. So uh, it, I think it all in all makes it a good situation for him. Uh, that, that remains to be seen how he takes advantage of that and how he responds to it. But I think the, the weight piece is just a, a portion of getting him ready to play and um, you know build for the long haul and get him into a more expanded role by the time the, the end of the Big Ten season rolls around. I would love for him to just be a supercharger for the second unit. You know what I mean? When you get those those bench guys in there, just run. 
you know, and, and, and get up fast and find, I mean, even if you, even if you have turnovers, if you, whatever, to get other teams out of their rhythm by going fast, I think that's something Indiana hasn't had in a while. The pace is important for me as well. I agree with you, Ryan. I do think it's somewhere between that that second unit motivation push and that 27, 28 minutes would be my ideal uh, role for him. But he does, you're right, he has to grow into that. And I think the weights are the, were the big concern of mine. Uh, you know, I think playing in, at the Olympic trials and playing in the AAU, playing up, uh, I think his mentality of know, knowing the game is, is more advanced than someone who is just with his regular class. Uh, and yet the college game is still – um, a learning process, uh, regardless of how good good you are when you come in a, as a player. But the weight was was um, was much needed. And, and and one more question, kind of follow up on our discussion last week. Um, that you know you saw at the top twenty five of the players uh, from the inside the hall and, and Dylan Burkett, you, you saw some transfers and. The difference between a grad transfer coming in and not having uh, a year in a system versus a regular transfer having a year in a system, is there a difference in the expectations of these guys that we see in, in other programs? Um, my quick belief is that, that that grad transfer adds some depth and can play like Proctor at Purdue, but it's, not gonna, it's hard for them to come in and be dominant um, unless they are – maybe transferring in from a, another power five conference. But when you transfer up, I think it takes a little time to adjust. It doesn't mean you won't make the team better, but sometimes I look at when, when these transfers get in the top 20, 25 of the, of the conference because of what they've done at other places. I think the big 10 is a big learning process. Uh, and we've seen it at IU that the graduate transfers haven't always been what we thought they would have been. Uh, Andy, your thoughts real quick on, on the impact of some of these transfers that we don't, quite know about that have moved into the big 10 at other schools. Yeah. I think this season is going to put that even more in, in focus as you do that. Yeah. You've had some other time and you've had maybe more time because the season's going to start a little bit later, but your actual practices aren't starting till later. Uh, and, and most of these schools, again, you get into the scheduling, there's not going to be a lot of those ramp up games to really let guys get, get warmed up and, and sort through roles and, and do different things like that. You're just not going to have that because of the, uh, the schedule getting scaled back. So I do think it's it's a lot to expect. And, and you do a couple of teams that you might face in um, in Asheville. almost said Maui, Ryan, but I, I, I didn't. Um, it's Asheville. You know, there's, uh, you know, Providence has, you know, kind of one of each. They've got a, a grad transfer guy and they got one that's sitting out. I think it's all hard to you know, piece it all together and and sort through roles. And I just think the the, the little bit shortened um, practice schedule and the and the lack of, exhibition games, the lack of secret scrimmages, the the lack of, you know, kind of cupcake games for a lot of people are going to uh, make that really difficult. And unless you're coming from a fairly similar system and really be able to integrate yourself easily, I think there's going to be some bumps in the road for guys like that. Yeah, I think that if it's a post guy and he's just going to be playing the post, I think you can be successful, you know, have a better chance of being successful as a, as a grad transfer. Uh, point guards, you've got to learn the offense. You got to learn the tendencies of all your teammates. You got to learn all that. So it's really hard and wing guys. It depends what they do. If they're just shooters and just have to come off screens, the more simplified their role is, I think is, is how you can be better. You know, if you simplify the role for that person, if you make it complex, it is tough to come in and, and make an impact right away because it's all new. Like you said, just like a freshman coming. Okay, uh, coming up, we've got some important scheduling news uh, that came out this week about both the Asheville Invitational, formerly known as the Maui, and the Gabbitt Games. We'll discuss how it affects Indiana, so stick with us.
Mexico is more than a country. It's a feeling. Wherever you feel Mexican, there is Mexico. Let's celebrate it. Tecate. Mexico is in us. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Hi, this is Jawan Morgan. What's the only thing better than getting IU's first triple-double in 47 years? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. Uh, you can find all of our content at our website, assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to join the chat mob during our unedited live broadcast or watch those replays and see all the in-between segment banner banter, then check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com backslash assemblycall. I'm Coach uh, Brian Tonsoni. I'm here with uh, Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, and we're going to talk scheduling. Uh, this week, uh, some scheduling news came out uh, on the uh, – the downside, I guess, if you will, the Gavit games have been canceled. But uh, as we were talking in the break, that might be beneficial in a shortened, four-game shortened uh, NCAA season. Uh, and to remind everyone, the NCAA is now allowing 27 games if you play in a multi-team uh, event. And so um, they canceled that. And then uh, the Maui bracket came out, uh, which is now the Asheville bracket. Uh, and we will Thank refer you. to it. You're welcome. Um and so Indiana drew Providence in game two uh, and will play uh, either Texas or Davidson who play in game one, uh, depending on who wins and who loses. The other side of the bracket is North Carolina versus UNLV in game three and Stanford versus Alabama in game four. Fellas, as you look at that just generally, your thoughts on um, the draw for Indiana and the draw for the Asheville uh, Classic altogether. I, they probably it's, it sets up really nicely for Indiana to be on the opposite side of the bracket from North Carolina. I think obviously what they would love to happen is for Indiana and North Carolina, the teams with the two biggest basketball fan bases and best traditions to wind up in the final together. And so whether or not that happens, I mean, we'll see, but um, it's, it basically is, that's the way it's setting up and, and, or they set it up. So we'll see. I, I don't, you know, I don't know. What do you guys know about Providence next year? I, Anything? Yeah, I, I look through a little bit because I've started putting some stuff together. So, um, you know, they lose two of their top three scores, and and they're breaking in a couple transfers, as I mentioned before. So there's one that a guy that was there and sat out last year, uh, and there's another one that's a grad transfer. So, you know, they're going to be integrating some new pieces. This is going to be really early in the season, so you might catch them at a pretty good time. Um, from a defensive perspective, they're really strong. Uh, I really like Ed Cooley as a coach. He always – uh, is somebody who seems to get the most uh, out of his guys. And so they're dependent upon where you look ranked in the, mostly in the thirties of anything that I've, I've seen, I think three men we've had them just outside their top 40, but, um, but really close. So I think a defensive battle um, probably there. And then if you, if you win that and play Texas, that will assuredly be a defensive battle um, when, when you go against them. They got a lot of size. Uh, Torvik has Texas ranked second because they, they bring everybody back. Plus they add a, uh, I think the number two power forward in the country, according to, to 247. So um, they they were horrific offensively in uh, Big 12 play, and that's been kind of a, a standard 
uh, attribute of the of the Texas teams lately, but definitely really good defensively. So IU is, I would say, outside of Davidson, uh, that side of the bracket is is heavy on the defense and um, will provide some good tests. But I think if you win that first game, and Coach and I talked about this before, you set yourself up to get two other really good games, almost no matter who you play. Uh, versus if you lose that one, you probably end up playing Davidson in the second one, and then you know things get weird, and, and you may end up not getting as many high-level games, and and losing to a Texas even in the second round isn't going to kill you when you start looking at tournament resumes and things like that. And speaking of Texas, um, we are proud to have joining us from the great state of Texas, uh, Jared Morris has popped in to talk a little bit of the Asheville uh, Classic. Uh, draw, Jared, welcome to the show. Brian scoffs at the Asheville Invitational, but it brings Gerard out of the woodwork yeah, to, uh, yeah, to come and talk some uh, some Asheville Invitational. I was just playing a little Zoom roulette tonight and ended up here. What do you What do you guys discuss on this show? <laughs> I'm, I'm not familiar with it. You've never been here before. It's no. been, been you're a little first rusty. Time, first time. First well, time. it's surprising you're wearing an Indiana shirt. Amazingly, you wound it's, up here. It's incredible luck. It, it truly is. Are they calling it the Asheville Classic? No, I'm calling that, it that. That's it's, what you're uh, calling. Why are okay. we referring it to the Mau- as the Maui Invitational anymore? <laughs> I mean, it's not, I mean, it's not Maui. Just a one-year blip, you know? Yeah, of course, the year I was supposed to go. Is there a beach in Asheville? No. No, so it's got to... Yeah, no, Vanderbilt like- State is nearby. I'm sure they have a beach. <laughs> they have everything yeah. else. So, Jared, you, your your thoughts as you saw this um, the bracket come out from, for the Maui slash Asheville Classic? I mean, my first thought was that it was just nice to see a bracket that, you know, hopefully is going to get played. (laughs) Maybe probably won't believe that until it actually happens, but it's nice to actually have a bracket to talk about. I mean, I think it sets up about as well as it could. I mean, your first game is against Providence, which is certainly a team that you should and perhaps could or could and perhaps should beat. But it's still that's a quality game, you know, right off the bat. And then, as you guys said, if you win that, you really set yourself up nicely. I mean, Texas is obviously going to be highly regarded. Uh, and then whoever comes out the other side. So, you know, I think probably most Indiana fans have maybe been conditioned to just kind of expect something bad to happen in this tournament just because of what happened the last time we were in Maui and just some of the, you know, the early season missteps that we've had. But, I mean, if we're able to go there and our continuity, you know, from bringing a lot of the same guys back, you know, really allows us to get off to a strong start this season. I mean, it's a huge opportunity to really lock up some big, resume building wins in a season when those are going to be at a premium, especially in the non-conference. So, you know, I mean, it all, it all just depends on what they actually do once they get there, but just looking at the bracket, it doesn't really seem like you could ask for anything more. Yeah. And there's a lot of things that, um, besides the game itself, you play three quality opponents, um, the way it's set up here, obviously you'd, you'd want to win and advance to Texas and, and build your resume that way. But, you know, there's a lot of good from playing those three games, uh, early in the season, uh, with your team. What, uh, interesting to get, uh, each of your perspective on what kind of teams have success. Uh, is it veteran teams, uh, in a, in a three day MTE? Is it the, the talented teams? Is it, you know, three days in a row of shooting? What, what do you guys think is the main, um, type of characteristic that teams, uh, show when they win some, some of these fields that are as quality as, as the Maui classic has been. Do we have anybody here with experience, like seeing Maui and seeing how those games go? <laughs> I don't know. You guys, you guys ever been? No. no, I, you know, honestly, every year, one of the teams that makes it to the finals is a veteran team that knows each other, that knows the offense, that knows the defense, you know, like, uh, 
a solid team that's been together. I think at Notre Dame, the last time I was there, made the finals against Duke. And they played together. They had a couple shooters. They played really hard. And Duke was the uber-talented team. That was Zion's freshman year with R.J. Barrett and all those guys. So it was, it was a real clash of a veteran team that had been together that knew the program and knew everything and the super-talented team. That usually happens because you're, it's early in the season. Everybody's a little relaxed because you're in Maui. Not this year. You're going to be in Asheville. But everybody is just kind of relaxed and kind of easing into the season. And look, if you lose three games in Maui, it's not good, but it's not going to sink your season. So there's kind of like a, uh, you know, a relaxed atmosphere. But then once the, once the games tip off, it's it's intense. But I would say that there's it's it's not like a March Madness atmosphere until you get to that final. And so the teams that succeed are the ones that know the stakes of winning every day. And so I think that that veteran teams tend to do better. Uh, and and of course, if there's a if you have a star, you know, stars shine at Maui every time. I remember Kemba Walker dragged UConn to a to a title there, and then later in the year dragged them to a national championship. But when that season started, those guys who showed up in that championship run weren't very good at the beginning of the year. They were okay, but they hadn't, you know, played together very much and hadn't risen to that next level. So I think a star-driven team, uh, a team that knows what it is, knows its identity and has played together for a while. And then, yeah, the talent, you know, is always going to be tough to beat in college basketball. Andy, we were talking before the show about uh, how do you, uh, we as bracketologists look at these three games in a row um, because there's never a time when you're going to play three games in a row from a scouting perspective, from a lack of practice perspective, that the wins count a little bit more because they're wins on the court. The losses, you kind of understand there's some other things that are going on that, that may cause you to lose a game that you wouldn't uh, necessarily with time. Um, again, do you think that plays into what type of teams – you know, can win back to back to back, and and is it a sign if if your team doesn't come out with two or three wins that uh, that maybe you're not as good as you thought? Well, as we learned a few years ago with IU, I guess maybe it doesn't matter if you if you don't play all that well there. But I I think from a a, a bracketology perspective, I I, keep, I always go back to the first game is so important, and I, I I would tend to when I had more time than I probably do now look at a lot of these these teams that that maybe their non-conference schedule isn't very good except for getting into one of these events. And if you stub your toe in the first one and set yourself up into the consolation side of the bracket, sometimes you don't get the opportunities that you hoped you would get. So I think the first game becomes pretty critical. And then the others are not gravy, but they kind of can be. I mean, again, if you lose to Texas, that other game, it's, it's not the end of the world. And then maybe you face a Stanford or Alabama uh, even in the the third and fourth place game, if you get in that scenario, both those teams, while while aren't going to challenge for their leagues, are going to be in tournament contention and wouldn't be a bad loss, but would give you you know something to to fall back on if you would win. So, uh, I I think that first game just becomes incredibly important. If you can get that one, then you set yourself up to really not uh, have anything to lose the rest of the way. And I think depth becomes important in a lot of those scenarios as well. Ryan talked about the, the veteran presence of some of these, but being able to, uh, you know, get some minutes out of, out of guys early on that, uh, give your guys a chance to rest. Because as you said, there's not, there's very little else that happens over the course of the season. That's going to be anything similar to playing three games in three days. So do you get to the point where we, we see that in Maui at times, you know, that guys really start like cramping up in the last, you know, the last game and things like that, where they're Especially just early exhausted from, yeah. from playing. And, and because it's, 
you know, usually in the season, you've got a, a couple weeks um, where at least teams can play, you know, maybe, maybe it's only three games, but at least you've played a few games and it, it hits pretty early this year. If the, the season can start on the 25th or whatever, like you may have one game, these teams may have one game under their belt by the time they get there and, and in line, played exhibitions and stuff like that. In line with what Andy's saying, the other thing in a short tournament like that, a three day tournament, you can see teams have massive hangovers from a day one loss and just blow out of the tournament, you know, backwards. And it, it's, you don't say I'm not, I'm not familiar with the team doing yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> it, it's, so there can be a hangover. If you lose that first game, especially even if you lose it in a tight game that was competitive, the letdown of that, then less than 24 hours later, you got to pump yourself up to play another game against what's probably going to be a decent quality opponent at a place at a tournament like this. And, and if you're not up and ready to go, I mean, I've seen some of those consolation bracket games in Maui just be ugly because both teams suffered devastating losses and then less than 24 hours later had to play an early game, you know, because they're in the consolation side. They play an early game and they don't want to be, it feels like they don't want to be there. And so that can happen. So you're right, Andy, winning that first game is incredibly important just to get the good feelings rolling. I think it's going to be really important that Rob Finnessy play well, which is kind of an obvious statement and he's going to play well all year, but yeah, you, know, you need guys like Rob and Al to really step up. I think in a tournament like this, Al just to be able to make shots. I mean, in a you know in a short three day span, you have a few guys get hot shooting wise that can carry you through. Um, and Al would obviously be that guy for Indiana. But I think as is going to be a theme so often this year, Rob Finnessy on the offensive and defensive side, just his ability to be the catalyst on offense and then to kind of spearhead the defense is going to be big. And he's been a guy who's been inconsistent. And so I think for Indiana to win three games in a row in three days, you're going to have to get good Rob Finnessy, like really good Rob Finnessy all three of those games because, you know, you're going to be playing top 30 teams, you know, every one. And so I think to me, I think that and we'll see who they might play before then, but how Rob responds and is able to play is his body back, right? Is he able to play, you know, 30 plus minutes, three games in a row? You know, I think that and then also what you see from Jerome in a situation like that, you know, how limited are his minutes? How much is he able to go? So I think we'll, we'll learn, you know, some of the guys who last year maybe had trouble, you know, playing full games or, you know, we'd see some of those, you know, kind of injuries crop up. You know, do they look different in this situation? I think that'll be really interesting to, to watch for early in the year. One of the things that I, I think that I look at for from Indiana's standpoint and playing in one of these uh, early tournaments is. Their best attribute right now is defense, and defense in in a three days in a row, uh, it's easier to find your defense three days in a row than your offense sometimes. Uh, your offense can leave you, but if you are a defensive-minded team, and the other thing that uh, that I think is important is that this team uh, tries to offensive rebound and, and does a decent job of offensive rebound. Every team's new, you know, and, and you can't always predict this year from what's happened in the past, but... Um, you know, if you play a Texas, they got great size, and then they got the Gabe Brown, the the big freshman coming in, the top ten freshman. And North Carolina's got size, but if you can rebound both defensively and offensively, that that's a hustle thing. And I think in these games two and three, it becomes about attitude and hustle and, and, and getting those getting those extra possessions that that you need because you, you might miss a shot um, in, in day three from being a little bit fatigued. And those are things that Indiana has done well. And if they 
bring that with them again this year, I think that bodes well. The thing is, Providence is that way too, defensive-minded. Texas uh, has has a lot of length. Um, that whole top bracket, other than Davidson being the offensive uh, team known for its offense, that, that seems like a defense and rebounding bracket from the top. But I think some of those things will play well for, for Indiana, as well as we hope to see the continued improvement from perimeter play and, and the, the new style offense. Yeah, I think, yeah, I do think the defensive piece, you know, a lot of times everybody will say, you know, defense is ahead of your offense and different, different things like that. Um, I think you'll see that, but I think there's going to be some absolute rock fights on the, on the top part of that, uh, that bracket, just people shaking the rust off and, and doing some of those things. But, but, um, I do think the, the continuity piece helps IU in that, in that scenario with the, the core guys who are going to get a lot of the minutes having, uh, played together before. Uh, you would like to think you've got a, a little bit more of a veteran backcourt that typically in tournament settings is a good thing. So um, we'll see what happens. I, I look forward to, like like you said, I was just excited to see the bracket and uh, and have something to think about in terms of future opponents and and figure out those kinds of things. So uh, it, it's exciting. We hope it uh, hope it goes off without a hitch. A couple more things in, in this segment as as you go forward. If we win the first game, beat Texas, who who do you want to play? Uh, do you want to play the best team in the bottom bracket, whoever you think that is, or do you want a team to maybe upset the, the best team in the bottom bracket so you have a chance of winning that third game? Your thoughts on who, if we can get to that third game championship, who you'd like to see uh, from the bottom North bracket? Because we always beat North Carolina in the regular season. And, and no. just in case Trey Kaufman needs a reminder of where he needs to go to school. <laughs> no, no, I'm saying, I'm saying I want the easiest point because I want to take home the one and only Asheville Invitational Championship. So whoever the easiest path is, because I want to I want to bring that trophy. North Carolina. It's the regular North season. Carolina. That's true. That's, that might <laughs> be true. Carolina's <laughs> interesting. They got a ton of freshmen that they're gonna rely on. They do have Garrison Brooks, who's a really they good were big guy. Bad last um, year. Yeah, so you know, Garrison Brooks against uh, TJD would be a really good matchup, and uh, you know, again, you catch somebody early in the season where you still got young guys trying to play their way into roles. I wouldn't necessarily be shocked if um, maybe it's Alabama that can upset them. Stanford lost uh, a, a guy to the NBA draft, so I'm not sure that they can probably do that. But yeah, I, I think I think Carolina. Yep, Stanford's been getting uh, some attention though, he, despite the 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 young man who graduated. I, I yeah, they got another up. really. They got Zaire Williams, who's like the number one small forward. Is, yeah, so, is the freshman so on their team this year. So. And from our vantage point, Andy, it's always do you, do you want to play the top teams to build your your strength of schedule? Um, you know, or 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 just add wins. Right now, I'm an add win guy. I'm I'm tired of losing. Let's let's just keep winning. I think with the way this year's worry about strength of schedule later. I think these teams. I think this Maui Classic is pretty strong. Um, you know, I, I don't what, know, this is, Coach. The what? The the Asheville Classic. My bad. Thank you. My bad. The Asheville Classic. I think it's pretty strong when you look at the Torvik rankings. Um, there's yeah. six squads that are really above the other two. Uh, and so you're going to play quality opponents no matter what. So let's go sweep it and and come home with the Asheville Trophy. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I want to play the best games. I want to. I want that championship game to be a like primetime game that people talk about. Indiana, North Carolina would be that. Right. And these are the types of games that we need to play to get the program back to being prominent. So I don't care about easy paths. I don't care about any of that stuff. But they play, play it at four o'clock in the afternoon. That marquee matchup is championship. Right, is four o'clock in the afternoon. On a Wednesday, it should be the championship game should be the last game of a tournament. It shouldn't be in the middle of the day 
Make that the nightcap on ESPN like it used to be. Why did they do that? I, they did it a couple of years ago. They changed it, and I think it had to do with the broadcast teams getting them out of there earlier, and you know, getting it on uh, the air in what was a desirable time, I guess. I think travel. Uh, it's a it's a, the broadcast teams out of there. Well, I think it's yeah, also the for broadcast the teams. teams have to go to the next tournament. I, one year it oh. was they had to go up to Phil Knight's tournament in Oregon, that birthday tournament for him. Um, oh. And so they had to fly out like in the middle as soon as the game was over. They packed up the, that. The number one team was Billis and um, I forget who Shulman, I think. And they had to pack up and leave immediately as soon as it was over to get there on time. And then they sat down and did another game. Yeah, I think I, they I think they stack some of those other during feast week and they they stack some of those others where they've got stuff lined up to be at, you know, seven and nine or whatever. But, yeah, it's, it's odd this year because it's not even um, you know, the way the way it usually runs around. I think it usually would finish like the Wednesday night before Thanksgiving, I want to say. Yeah. This is now a, a, another Wednesday, but it's going to be odd to have a you know championship games at four o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon, like Coach said. So a little bit, a little bit weird. Yeah, and I, I also think it's team travel too. It's kind of a reward for if you win the first two games, you get to get out of town early and get back and get your legs back because a lot of coaches worry about you know the next game after the Maui and having that. You know, sometimes it's the Big Ten ACC challenge the next Tuesday after you come back from the Maui. They that you know, I don't know what difference a few hours makes, but maybe that's a, a little bit uh, too. But nonetheless, well, Indiana's going to be playing a lot of good on, teams on their schedule yeah, last, this year. In Maui, the teams all leave on Thursday, uh, at, you know, the day after. Okay, uh, except for it, the one year that I was on Notre Dame's flight and it got canceled, and they had to, <laughs> to wait around a day or two. Uh, but but I think this year they may all fly out as soon as possible yeah. because of the COVID restrictions. That, that is true. But Indiana right now has uh, 25 of its 27 games are going to be against power conference teams uh, unless they play Davidson. But Davidson in the A-10 is, is still a, a very competitive uh, program, and we'll wait to see how Indiana fills their um, other two uh, games here shortly. Uh, also heard on uh, various uh, podcasts that Conference schedules might be delayed until the 1st of November. Let's hope they uh, they come out a lot sooner than that. But coming up in our uh, third segment, uh, we'll answer your questions. Uh, one about how Rob, Race, and Jerome fit together and whether we expect uh, any bubbles in the college hoop season coming up. So stick with us here on the Assembly Call. E-cigs don't burn tobacco leaves, and they come in lots of flavors. That's what tobacco companies tell you. Here are three things tobacco companies don't say. One, many teens don't know their flavored e-cigs have nicotine. Two, nicotine is a poison that can rewire the teen brain. Three, 80% of kids who tried vaping did it because of the flavors. So even when it tastes like candy, nicotine is brain poison. Go to flavorshookkids.org for more. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. This is Tim Priller, and I never miss an episode of The Assembly Call. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. I'm the coach, uh, Brian Tonsoni, here with Ryan Phillips, Andy Bottoms, and a 
Very special guest, uh, Jared Morris, joins us this evening. Remember, uh, you need to be subscribed to our email newsletter. We send out a weekly IU News Roundup even during the offseason, and after every game, we send out a detailed postgame analysis. Just text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. That's IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. It's now time for our mailbag. All questions were submitted via via our private IU basketball discussion community, which can be found at assemblycall.com backslash community. And, fellas, uh, this comes from Patrick. Uh, we talk a lot about the impact of a healthy Rob, Race, and Jerome, but we do so individually. What about when we think about those three playing together? How can healthy versions of those three together make each other better? Uh, who wants the first shot at uh, a healthy um, – three players that have had injuries in the past go ahead jared i mean i think if indiana plays at its best this year you're going to see a lot of those three guys on the court together you know and obviously then you would put trace in there at the five and then you've got another spot for christian lander or al durham and you know i think look you're going to be rotating those guys around but you need those three as part of your rotation that you count on every game because Rob is your point guard and the guy with experience. Race is your best kind of interior banger, dirty work guy. He can pick up the tough defensive assignments and kind of ease some of that pressure off of Trace. And then, you know, for all we know, Jerome could end up being the team's most dynamic scorer this year. Like, he's got that kind of potential. So, and I think they fit well together. You know, when you have Race and Jerome on the court, obviously Jerome is more of a perimeter-oriented guy. You know, Race kind of goes down low and does the dirty work. But if we see the idealized version of race that can actually step out and make a shot, you know, who can post up a little bit is Jerome. So you can really kind of do some different things with those guys. And we've seen Rob be a guy who, when he's right, is really aggressive getting into the lane. And that can either create shots for Jerome, create little dump offs for race. So, I mean, those three guys can do a lot of things together. And if Indiana is going to be at its best this year, you're going to have to see them playing a lot together and healthy. You know what I would say, Jared, is that, and I know we saw a little bit of better defense from Jerome during the season. We'd see like a five possession stretch where he looked really good, and then the rest of it not great. But again, we got to see a healthy version of him. All three of those guys are two way players when they're at their best, too. They can help out on both ends. Race can rebound. Uh, Jerome rebounded pretty well in some games last year. Rob is a fantastic defender when he's right. I mean, those are guys who help you out on both ends. They're not one trick ponies. And so, and they do, as you as you sort of alluded to, they do multiple things as well: rebounding, shooting, maybe posting up a little, all that. So that is why it's so important to have those three guys. And yeah, they fit well together on the floor. I agree with you. I think that that those three guys and Trace, and then you can basically pick your other guard if they're all healthy and playing right and playing well. That that's your core right yeah. there, along with Trace. I think the the defense that you mentioned, Ryan. I mean, Robin and race are arguably your two best defenders when everything is uh, everyone's at their at their best and then potential floor spacing I and mean, we talk about that with with jerome being able to get a, a higher percentage race gives that threat uh, at least at times has, has been able to do that and rob you think back to the ohio state game uh where he really got off to a good start and, and shot the ball well so i think they're able to as you said help on both ends as a as a collective 
The interesting thing about all three, if healthy, is we're going to see if they're going to reach their potential. Uh, we've seen Rob play really solid games, but he's had long stretches of injuries. We've seen Race take a tumble after playing well in the first half against Michigan State. And we know Jerome's on the recovery from what he had to deal with as a freshman. So we've seen glimpses of it. But I think if they're all healthy together, they also help each other. I, I, Jerome can be our best shooter. Rob can pick up the pace and 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 be a, a creator by getting into the lane and kicking out to a Jerome. Uh, you mentioned the, the idea that Jerome can post, and, and maybe if if we do allow uh, Race to shoot the three, which he has good form, that he can stretch a little bit more than than what we've had uh, defensively against us. So, if all three are healthy and they get close to their potential, uh, I think that's uh, nothing but good for for Indiana. So. Um, Next question, Valerie asks, has anyone heard if basketball will be played in a bubble or will there be any fans? Uh, we know the MTEs are in a bubble-like situation. There, there has been a little bit of discussion about the NCAA tournament maybe going to something like that, um, depending on where all, everything is with the, with the COVID. Um, do you think you'll see any of that pop up uh, in, the, in the season as a response to what's going on, Jared, uh, bubbles during the, during the season? I don't know that they'll need to as much because so much of the conference season is going to be played, you know, between the end of the first semester and the beginning of the next semester. So you're going to have guys kind of there on campus by themselves some, and that will help. I just, I can't imagine the logistics of actually trying to do that with college students. You know, if they could do it great, but I just don't really see how it's possible, especially if they don't already have kind of some plans, you know, in the works now. Yeah. Again, it, they, may not, they may not need it based leagues. on when the season is going to fall. Yeah, a couple of leagues I saw look like they were basically if you were you were set to play a home and home against somebody, you were going to go to one place and you're going to play both your games over the course of a, a weekend. I, I think Conference USA is one that was talked about. I want to say the Big Sky maybe was the other. That'd be kind of fun. So they talk about doing that. Now I don't know that you're actually like getting your home and home in that scenario, which in theory may not matter because you're. But you'd play your if you're playing a team two games, you're playing them both over that course of time, and then you're kind of together for that period, and then it moves on to. To another one. I don't know that I see the Big Ten doing that, but that's at least the way some conferences are trying to do it. But I would think at a minimum you're into 2021 before you'd have fans of any kind there, but you never know what might happen. We got, we're under a minute, and I'll give you a, a quick response question from uh, Jeff. Who would you like to see IU pick up? Uh, they got two spots open for non-conference. Um, quickly, who would each of you like to see IU schedule? Cupcakes. Get the freshmen some time. The rest of the schedule is hard enough. No Kentucky. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'd say I'd say cupcakes to regional cupcakes. Yeah, I, I would say the same thing. Do you get like a Ball State and the Indiana State or Evansville, somebody like that? Uh, I, I wouldn't mind. I, I'd be careful. Indiana State. I think they're going to be pretty good. I'm a little biased because uh, <laughs> my son was there for a while. But IUPUI, I, I'm with you guys. Let let let's get some uh, easier. Uh, schools. Uh, they had Western Michigan, which possibly could bus uh, scheduled before the COVID. Uh, maybe someone like that. Uh, I don't know if Nebraska, Omaha. That's a that's quite a drive. That's not close, but yeah, regional cupcakes sounds good. Just to Nebraska. Me. <laughs> Nebraska's a regional cupcake. <laughs> that's Play true. That that's it. We're done. No more questions. Okay, so that'll do it for uh, this week's episode of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live. Uh, Join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to Bob Thompson for producing most of the music you hear on the show, and thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next Thursday night.
Take it from the green light himself. Keep your elbows in, eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Here I come, Mrs. Stansoni. <laughs> the green light, I like that. Green light. Hey, did you guys talk about Devontae or Duran? Who you yeah. think will have? Yeah, the... in the first segment. What was the we consensus? all said Devontae? I think. Yep. Yeah. Just because your European ball, up tempo, shooting, guard play. If I told you Duran was going to be healthy for like six years, would that change? If if I the if issue is his guaranteed foot, health. The issue for me is his foot speed because uh, they play faster and they spread it out in yeah. Europe more. So it, it's more about where he's playing. You know, um, if he was healthy and they had another Big Ten season, I'd say Duran. But playing in Europe, it's it's an open game with a lot of movement and it's gonna be tough but yeah if he stays healthy he has a chance to be very good i mean he's he has a lot of ability it's just he gets hurt too much you know yeah and even when he's healthy he's hurt you know i mean it's the pick and pop game is so big uh around the world um you know with your bigs so you know i do think he'll play for a few years because you can't teach size you know, and, and, and it's more than size. He's got skill. He's, and and I think his passing fast. ability, Jared, yeah. is really could help um, in in the European style and some of that too. Um, he's he's just not as fluid as I see the game going. And, and I wish that we still had the backup center as a focal point. I I miss that t- type of basketball where you force double teams and you have kickouts and all of that stuff. But it's it's kind of going by the wayside. I would watch a reality show of Deron Davis in Ireland. <laughs> Walking into one of those pubs where he's got to like duck down and he's got to be bent over to get a mug of beer because yeah, like, they're real know, small. Like, and I'm sure, and Tyler Tackman did a really good article on Inside the Hall, and I'm sure it's going to be like such a culture shock for him going there. But he has such a personality and is so outgoing that I'm sure like within days, you know, he's going to be, you know, he's going to have friends and be down hanging out at the bars and just being like the big gregarious guy that he is. So. <laughs> Good deal. Brian, you look really serious. Like you're contemplating. I'm, I'm watching like, Padres questions. Right Padres are on right now. Dude. Okay. How are they doing? Do you need to get That's, off and bring yeah, some luck? Leave in just a second. It's, it's two, two right now. Top of the third. What game is this? Uh, game three. So if the Dodgers win, it's over. Hmm. You can tell I'm really engaged in sports right now. Yeah, yeah. It's so yeah. Runner on second for the Dodgers, no outs. Tatis just made an amazing stop, and then he didn't have a chance to get the guy, and he still threw it to first, and it got by the first baseman. Mm. It's a shame. Well, it's good to see you guys. It's good to have you. Had to had to hop on here. It's always good to be here. Good, ready for some games. Yeah, I'm curious when the Big Ten will actually release any kind of scheduling stuff. When's the first football game? The 24th, right? 24th, 24th that weekend. Still a couple like weeks. Three weeks to wait. Yeah, two. Yeah. Yeah, I was um, I was a little concerned listening to Norlander and Parrish about cancellation of college basketball games. They seem to think that there will be a good amount of cancellations. You know, and I, I get that and I understand that, but I, I'm in the mode now where let's go. You know, let's go. The schedule's out. Let's play. And But they said the reality of college football, 24 to 25% of the games have been canceled and not everyone's playing yet. Um, and then you got the NFL situation. So the reality is there's going to be some 
cancellations, and, and it just worries me. You know, the Big Ten, it's 21 days off um, with the with the testing protocols and everything if you do get a, a positive test in season. And, boy, that that's – and you got another 10 days back to your back to normal. So – yeah, you know, kind of trying to build up a, a little bit of cushion mentally for you know I'm going to be excited to have games back, but you know, yeah, and the resumes could be watch. all over the place. Oh my you gosh, preparing resumes going to be just insane. Yeah, I mean, how do you think oh. of it? Do you end up getting penalized additionally because you just didn't play enough to whatever? Which I think would probably be reasonable if you wanted to do it that way, but. You know, as soon as but what, it could be out of your control too. Potentially left out. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, you could be the one Big on the... Ten team where everyone happens to get, uh, you know, quarantined the time they're playing Indiana, and instead of playing twenty games, you play eleven games, and and maybe it's all the bottom guys that that unfortunately have to face that when you play them. It's going to be an interesting bracketology situation. Hey, but at least there will be bracketology. Yes, hopefully. Uh, I, I definitely think there will. All right, Dodgers stick a three-two lead. I gotta go. <laughs> My prediction: Tatis home run next <laughs> next inning. Tatis is gonna jack one. I'm going to fan. He just struck out. With, he he, he struck out with the bases loaded in the last inning. So I don't okay, know. well maybe mm. maybe two innings. Hey, it'll be just like last week. Everything will turn around as soon as you get off the show, and things will. That's right. Uh, All right. I'm shutting it off focus now your so energies. it starts to happen before they get too many more runs. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Later, guys. All right. See you, man. See you, Ryan. What else is going on? Mm. <laughs> it's about the same for everyone then. Okay. Make me feel better. Yeah. No, things have just been, things have been busy here, but good busy. Good deal. Good busy. We launched our, uh, our app, by the way. So one of the projects I've been working on, some people might know. So we've got this notebook. It's called a thinkers, the thinkers notebook. And uh, we've been building an app for it. And we put like we launched an initial app with the notebook, which is just kind of real basic. You just take pictures of your notebook and share them and stuff. Um, but we put together like this, like a full-fledged note-taking app. Um, it's similar to Evernote, but it has some different kind of features and does some different things. Um, it's quite cool. So if you have an iPhone, you can go check it out. It's called the Thinkers app. Cool. Um, if you are someone who endeavors to be a better thinker uh, and someone who likes to kind of Save your ideas, capture your ideas, share your ideas, and this will be a good app for you. Yeah, it's an iPhone app, Jeff. We don't have one on Android, um, but this is a, a startup here in Dallas that I became a part of about a year ago. And so that's part of the reason why I haven't been on the show as much. That's one of the reasons. The main reason is, you know, my wife being pregnant and the challenges that that can bring. Um, but uh, yeah, just some extra work on some of these projects I've been working on. But fun to finally have this out there. So. Yeah, go check it out. Cool. Thinkers app. I'll put the link in here so you can see it. Moose is getting married in a week. Hey, hey. don't forget to wish him luck. That is awesome. It's been nice knowing you, Moose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I think I'm going to try to make it to the ceremonies. Are you? Yep. Is it a socially distant ceremony? I think he's doing it. Uh, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll just sit in the back, but I'm gonna go and wave to him and cheer him on, and <laughs> that's awesome. Congratulations! Sing the fight Bruce. song when he comes out. <laughs> <laughs> Heckle him from the back row. Heckle him from the back, Moose. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, that's great. <laughs> he's, he's exploring alternative venues now as this. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> he's sending me yeah. a new save the date with the, with the different yeah. date. Yeah. Joel's asking about hot bridesmaids and, and open bar. Yeah. Mooses. Hey, if anyone yeah. in the chat mob wants to crash the wedding, I, <laughs> I have all the, I have all the information for a oh, short, small fee. Uh, we could tailgate. I'll bring the bar. We'll just be set up right outside. Mm. <laughs> you can't tailgate at football games. So you might as well tailgate at the wedding, right? Yep. Can you my, tailgate? Are they? Are no, they no, they're not tailgating? allowing you. No, We're tailgating in our can. backyard. My son and I are going to set up the whole tailgate stuff, fire pit, nice. and the bar for two of us, and load it up. And hey. the TVs work outside. Direct TV will uh, work outside. So we've already tested nice. it out and. Virtual tailgating, just get everybody on Zoom. There you go. Be in your, be in your backyard. You know, I've always thought that we should do a um, a live game, but the problem is the timing. You know, like you get the broadcast at one time in, in Texas when I'll get it two or three seconds later. Yeah, I don't know how and you would sync that up so that we're really doing virtual commentary during the game. I think that would be a cool thing, but um, you know. Oh, that'd be fun! Like turn down the announcers, and then we just announce the game. Yeah, oh, but man, even like those fun. times when I've signed on and it's a minute or so to go, and you're watching right there. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like either I'm ahead of you or you're ahead of me, one way or the other. Um, yeah, because a lot of times I'll be watching on YouTube TV, which will be delayed from the actual TV feed. Right. So yeah, see, in our house, everybody, it's even yeah. delayed in our house because we yeah. have the Wi-Fi Direct TV, so the upstairs is direct wired. And so when Brent's watching it upstairs, he'll yell when a basket goes in like three seconds later. I'm like, I tell him to <laughs> shut up. So I don't. Uh, cool. So well, it's good to be here. I, uh, I'm hoping I'll be on next week's show. And then I think the week after that, we're going to have Ken Bikeoff on, talk about his book. And then, you know, we'll just keep inching toward the season. There's not. Uh, not a whole lot of new angles to take talking basketball right now until maybe there's some recruiting news or something. So at least we got some scheduling news this yeah. week. Which yeah, it's just, just been hope a- you get one little nugget out there a week. And- <laughs> just, yeah. just give us something. <laughs> I keep looking at my my Indiana list on Monday and Tuesday. Please, please have something <laughs> give pop. Us, give us, give us, but, but something good. Like we don't yeah. want anybody getting arrested or. Boy, after getting- those years back, remember those years when it was all you're talking about was that stuff and now and now it's just a, a little bit of a drain of what to talk about this year's, i was thinking about him what is what is crane facing this year at georgia is he going to be under pressure at all or is this just kind of they don't care about basketball and they're just going to give him four or five years and before they even pay attention to him i don't know what they i mean they lost anthony edwards obviously but i don't yeah know they didn't really capitalize they, on him while he was there either uh no not so much no so i don't know if he's got any any other new recruits or i feel like they were losing somebody else that was decent too Crump? uh yeah three man weave has him 12th in their in their preview yeah in the sec so uh i don't know if he's facing any pressure at this point but i'm not sure yeah things are going Particularly well. Yeah, it looks like they got a handful of like role player guys back, but uh I think Rayshon Hammonds, I think that's the guy I was thinking of. And Crump they lost to. Yeah, they lost five guys on here. This doesn't have their scoring, but they do have he's got some transfers. He's going the transfer route. He's got a Virginia Tech guy, George Mason guy, Stony Brook, a couple of JUCO three JUCO guys coming in. Holy jeez. 
So, well, I don't I think mean, they were they were 319th in three point shooting and 255th in turnover percentage. It's not going to get it done. Yeah. I, I think schools are going to be patient with all this stuff too this year, unless yeah, that's true. You know, because it's yeah. just yeah, unless well, they really wanted like, to run a guy out and they could use this year as a as an excuse. But I think with buyouts and everything like that, I think you, you run the risk if if you if you run somebody out of really painting your program as unless it's Greg Marshall. Yeah, yeah, no that that is true. It's not going to be a normal year at all for stuff like that. So. Well, give coaches time. <clears throat> You'll be happy, right, coach? For what? You know, more patience with coaches. Oh, absolutely. More time for them to put their system in. Absolutely. Yeah. I, there's a few coaches that are jackasses that I don't like, but, <laughs> but, but, but most of us really work hard. And I know everyone is trying to win games despite being bad. <laughs> <laughs> are there any coaches that you legitimately wonder if they're actually trying to win games? Uh, no, there, there are a few with their, with some of their decision-making. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just like everything. There's, there's bad everything in, in, in every possession. <laughs> I mean, profession, but yeah. Oh man. Gotta give people time. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Well, thanks for holding down the fort fellas. Oh man. That's the least we can do. We know, yeah, we know things will it. smooth out here shortly and we're filling in and I don't know who. <laughs> Feel you know we've got a four year old now. We kind of feel that we can. Everybody's like like we've got our systems. We've got everything kind of going. Now we're just going to drop another bomb right in the middle of it. Yeah. So and it'll, it'll be, be beautiful and wonderful. <laughs> it'll adapt, dude. <laughs> yeah. You know yeah. <laughs> exactly. The only mistake you, you made there was thinking you're that launching you a new app. Out, in so a, yeah. Really, yeah. <laughs> you're just launching exactly. a new app in the family. You know, it's just like <laughs> that's right. That's right. We can't. We're we're trying to decide names, so it's going to be a boy. I don't know if I told you that, but it is going to it is going to be a boy. My, my favorite name. My favorite name for a long time has been Victor, uh, which you know I I'm sure that there's some attachment to that just because of Victor Oladipo, but I also just really genuinely like the name. Uh, but my wife does not like that name, so that Calbert. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah. what's her thought on that? Now she, I try to slip in some Indiana names, but she's she's savvy enough to know mm-hmm. which ones are. What if you What if you went Graham and you didn't go Greg? You went with Graham. <laughs> That's true. See? Let's try to think about that. There you go. Uve. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, okay. So I I saw Jim Cruz speak Saturday at a basketball clinic. Oh my gosh, I I could do a whole hour show on the stories he told. But he hey, said, if no well, news comes out, coach, next week. Next we're gonna week, take it's, a, it's so a Jim Cruz story. But he talked about Uwe Blob, and they were all in the coach's office. And Knight picks up the phone and calls Dean Smith at North Carolina and says, what do you do with the 7-2 guy who can't catch? And all of a sudden, Knight got real serious. And then he said, okay, thanks, and hung up. And then they Knight changed the subject. And Cruz was looking at everyone, and no one – why Why didn't he share what happened? So the next day, Cruz with, with, was with Knight alone. He goes, what, what did Dean Smith – can I ask what did Dean Smith say? He goes, yeah, we don't recruit 7-2 guys who don't catch. <laughs> and Knight, <laughs> Knight just was like, okay. <laughs> man, that was, oh, that, was man. that was a good hour of my time. One, being an Indiana fan and seeing someone who played on a championship, seeing, you know, we had good coaches. We had four-hour session. Um, Shrewsbury, yeah. the assistant from Purdue – I uh, was there, yeah. and and now I know how they run their um their handoff action. They they call it swivel. I'm gonna mm. put that out on a coach's uh, corner oh, nice. when we play Purdue. Um, 
but he showed a lot of Boston Celtics action, um, which was which was nice. Uh, we might be running some of that a little bit uh, at, at Western, but Jimmy Cruz, man, he had me rolling with some of the <laughs> some of the stories. I, I sent you one of them uh, via email, but um, yeah. just just a really quality guy. As, as we know, a lot of Indiana guys are quality guys. It was for me and that '76 team, man. It was it was really a cool afternoon. Mm-hmm. All right, so the last thing, I don't know if you guys saw, but Steve Alford is now on Cameo. Uh, and oh, I we got to get of, Ryan. I know, but I haven't had a lot of time to kind of look into this, so I'm, I'm looking for your advice on what we should submit for, for Steve Alford. Because uh, you only have like 250 characters, so you're very limited on what you can say. And not everybody is going to be like Gene Steratore and really explore the studio space and kind of take what you say and perfect it. So we can't, <laughs> we can't rely on that. But we certainly need to get some kind of dig in there. It had to be, you know, something about the shot doctor, like you know, I don't know. So if you have any ideas for what mm. we could, yeah. what we could think about that, Steve. yeah, we got to make it, got to make it worth it. Yeah, we got, we got to make it worth it. So that will be mm. great. Yeah. Hmm. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll get to thinking on that. Yeah, All right, Jared, it. I'll get you this file here yeah. shortly. Okay. Cool. Awesome. Yep. Good to see you guys. See you chat mob. Yeah, you too. See you all right, all next thanks, week. everybody. We'll uh, chat next week. Peace. All right. Later. <laughs> Something to do with the calendar suspension. <laughs> uh, Joel. <laughs> Good night, everyone. <laughs> See you guys. Is QuickBooks slowing your business down? Do you have challenges managing inventory, project profitability, or just getting paid fast enough? Get your business to a better place and graduate to NetSuite today. Stop paying for multiple systems that don't give you the information you need when you need it. Ditch the spreadsheets and all the old software you've outgrown. Now is the time to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle, the world's number one cloud business system. NetSuite gives you visibility and control over your financials, HR, inventory, e-commerce, and more. Everything you need, all in one place, instantaneously. Whether you're doing a million or hundreds of millions in revenue, save time and money with NetSuite. Join the over 24,000 companies using NetSuite right now. Let NetSuite show you how they'll benefit your business with a free product tour at netsuite.com slash info. Schedule your free product tour right now at netsuite.com slash info, netsuite.com slash info. The news on flavored e-cigs talks a lot about the technology and teen use, but parents need to know more about the dangers of nicotine. So know this. One, nicotine is one of the most toxic of all poisons. Two, kids are more at risk for developing addiction. Three, a nicotine addiction can make it easier for kids to get addicted to other drugs. So even when it tastes like candy, nicotine is brain poison. Go to flavorshookkids.org for more. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.